Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna. And I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives. Today, we are chatting with Ruth Jo Simons from Grace Laced about what it means to grow in godliness in every single part of our lives, even the parts that may seem insignificant. She just came out with a new book called Beholding and Becoming, and I know that you will benefit so much from this conversation. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Daily Grace. It's Stephanie and Joanna here. Hey. So today we have the tremendous privilege of having Ruth Jo Simons join our conversation. And Ruth is the artist behind Grace Lace, which I imagine many of you guys are familiar with. And if you're not, I'm sure this conversation is going to encourage you to check out her work. And we'll be sure to let you know how you can find her in our show notes. But on top of being an artist, Ruth is the wife um, to Troy for going on 21 years. That's incredible. And she is the mama to six incredible boys. (laughs) And, you know, Ruth also has the gift of writing. She wrote some books that you may have heard of. So Grace Lace, Garden of Truth, and her latest book is called Beholding and Becoming, The Art of Everyday Worship. And Ruth, actually, when this episode airs, your book will have been released into the world. So congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Yeah, we are so excited to have you. Um, And we're really excited about the conversation we're going to have today. Um, It's a topic that I'm pretty sure we mention every single episode. (laughs) I think we don't go an episode without talking about sanctification and this idea of growing in godliness and just how those things really do shape our everyday lives, our everyday worship. Um, But before we jump into that, could you just give our listeners a little bit more of a picture of yourself by telling us what an average day looks like for you? Sure, sure. So thank you for that sweet intro. Um, I'm a a mama to six. Um, I'm a Formerly a pastor's wife, um, my husband mm-hmm. was a pastor for over a decade, pre- teaching pastor, college pastor, youth pastor, so many different roles. And we mm-hmm. also were in um, education. Um, we had founded a classical Christian school. So we've kind of had mm-hmm. different seasons of ministry. Yeah. And um, in our current season, we are full-time with Grace Laced and we're full-time homeschooling our kids as well. So we mm-hmm. run the ministry, the business, and educate our kids all within the wow. same location and have employees Mm -hmm. in our property as well. And so um, it's a really interesting season in our lives. And, you know, we are in our late 40s now and um, really see the hand of the Lord just carrying us through. But right now, my day looks a lot like, you know, showing up at my home office and um, Mm -hmm. doing a lot of the kind of work that you would expect when you run meetings and take phone calls and mm-hmm. um, deal with all the things about re- with running a business and having a remote team like yours. Um, mm-hmm. Usually we start off the morning all gathered together as a family downstairs and we read our Bibles and we discuss the day. We have the privilege of having slow mornings here because, mm-hmm. um, because we homeschool and because we all operate from home. And so we choose to um, not feel like we're always on a rigid schedule. Now on the days when mm-hmm. When um, our team shows up, our local team shows up, you know, those days kind of start more right. precisely at 9 a.m. <laughs> and um, I have some ladies who work from the East Coast, so my day gets started a little bit earlier. Ooh. But, um, <laughs> yep. And so um, right now I have the privilege in this season of life to really work a little bit more full-time than I ever have. And so I do mm-hmm. have a lot of yeah. daily office hours. And I say that and clarify it just to say, um, there's a cost to doing everything. And so for yeah. the young ladies who see me running a ministry and a business and a mama to six, um, 
10 years ago, it did not look like this. There's mm-hmm. no way I could have painted in the middle of the day or answered emails or been on podcasts in the middle of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Those were diaper changing, um, mentoring during nap time kind of <laughs> days. And that mm-hmm. was wonderful for that season. And so right now I do work probably a little more than 40 hours a week. I work a lot Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. because this is a a season where, you know, the business is young, the ministry, Mm -hmm. the, our kids are still young. So there's a lot of fluctuation between taking long lunch breaks, reading books on the Mm -hmm. couch, throwing a load of laundry in, and then Mm -hmm. getting back to um, Mm -hmm. phone calls and emails. And so my day looks a little bit scattered, but I also feel really, really grateful for the freedom to um, set everything aside and say, today we're going to go for a hike and run mm. some errands as a family. And so I do feel the, the privilege of being able to, to adjust yeah. as needed. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I was actually laughing because right before we hopped on to record, I was just like following my 15-month-old, trying to feed her, changing her diaper. And I was like, <laughs> I know Ruth knows this season yes. because yes. that's what you talk about a lot on your yes. Instagram feed. And it has really ministered to me over the years of how God sees us in those unseen moments. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like now in your season, we can all look at you and be like, wow, Ruth does so (laughs) much. And I appreciate that you are just drawing from a deep well that was um, just like rich soil that was cultivated over years of just unseenness. I'm so grateful that you're saying that because I feel like that literally Mm -hmm. in one sentence just described my heartbeat. That is what I want to champion is Mm -hmm. I don't want to champion, hey, look at me now and do what I'm doing Mm -hmm. now. I want to champion, let your roots run deep, be okay with what God is doing in that season that feels hidden or doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like everything is coming to fruition, knowing that God is faithful to complete that work Mm -hmm. in you, right? Philippians 1, 6. And and to to recognize that um, we live in a culture, in a world where we're always heralding the finish line. We're always heralding Mm -hmm. the big like triumph or the business that takes off or the followers Mm -hmm. that rose, you know, with that particular brand, or we're always kind of like excited and celebrating the newest Mm -hmm. thing. But really, um, I look at where I'm at right now in the work that I get to do. And it's been 12 years in the making. Mm -hmm. And those Mm -hmm. early 12 years, nobody saw the work that I was doing, which was very similar to what I'm doing now, just not very public. And so, um, Mm -hmm. so that's why I tried to lead out that way, because I could explain my day and it would sound probably pretty professional and pretty like hustly, (laughs) but that's not a fair assessment because um, Mm. there's a lot that goes into that. And I don't think I wouldn't want any woman to ever compare or think that that's the way you get the job done. I think the Lord Mm. um, allows and makes possible different callings in different seasons. And we Mm -hmm. have got to be faithful right where we are. Mm. That gave me chills just hearing you talk because there are those times when we just feel like, man, what I'm doing doesn't matter right now yeah. because it's not seen. But what an encouragement that we can be faithful wherever God's put us, and but also that he's faithful wherever yes. he's put us through all of it. Thanks, girls, for totally getting my heart. I feel <laughs> I feel really seen. So thank you. I'm Aww. like, oh, you really get my heart here. I appreciate Aww. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely do feel like it's like your anthem of seeing the beauty of God's sanctifying work in our lives in whatever season. Um, to kind of help our listeners and us kind of really start our conversation, could you kind of go over what sanctification is? It's kind of a big word. <laughs> um, when does it begin and how does it kind of continue throughout the life of a believer? Right. Well, I, I love that at Daily Grace Co., you all care about theology and good, solid mm-hmm. doctrine, but let's not be overwhelmed by it or yeah, be intimidated right. because we do not need seminary degrees to be able to talk about this. And Amen. we do not yeah. need big, huge words. And so I will try to be as simple and as like down to earth about this. But Love it. the reality <laughs> is um, when we recognize that we are sinners that need to be saved by a holy God, that we have nothing to bring to the table that makes us pleasing Mm. and okay to spend eternity with him Mm. or in his presence, that we have no hope on our own. That is salvation. That is when Mm -hmm. the big word there is justification, that on the cross, Christ and the bloodshed, the price he paid for our sin declared us righteous, right? That is the the one time, and you all know this, and I hope your audience has grappled with the reality that when we surrender and say, 
Um, that's it. I'm do- I'm done running on mm. my own, trying so hard, trying to line up mm. all my perfect, you know, works to to earn favor with God. I surrender. I give up. That moment mm-hmm. when we trust Jesus for our okayness and our rightness and our righteousness before a holy God, that's justification. That is when God, through His Son Christ, says. Okay, you're one of mine. Mm-hmm. But sanctification begins right there, but it's not completed right there. Mm-hmm. If justification mm-hmm. declares us righteous, sanctification is living out the truth of what is being declared about us in Jesus mm-hmm. and seeing that come to reality in physical form, in, in, in all the ways that undoes sins, mm-hmm. hurt in our lives. Yeah. So if sin has hurt and caused brokenness in the way we act and the way we talk and the way we think in the way our bodies are, if sin causes all this disrepair, sanctification mm-hmm. is us believing the truth about our salvation, mm-hmm. walking in faith to let that truth transform and change mm-hmm. us into his likeness day by day. So sanctification mm-hmm. is in its original form, meaning set apart for the intended mm. use, right? Mm. We've been designed for an intended use and sin marred that, made it yeah. impossible for us mm-hmm. to actually serve our intended purpose. And so sanctification makes us set apart, makes us right again to be used in the way we were meant to be used. It mm-hmm. also means to be made holy. It also be, yeah. means to be made into his likeness. But mm-hmm. rather than something that happens overnight, justification is a declared place. Like we are righteous. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. When we truly put our faith mm-hmm. in Christ, it's a done deal. Yeah. But you wake up the next day and you're still going to struggle with believing mm-hmm. the wrong things thinking the wrong mm-hmm. things and probably yelling at your kids. Like that, yeah. those are still going to be the things that we struggle with because yeah. sanctification is this process by which the Lord uses our everyday life to, mm-hmm. to say, to draw us to the truth mm-hmm. of what salvation has already accomplished. The mm-hmm. truth is salvation has already accomplished our identity in Christ. Now we have to live in the light of that and living mm-hmm. in the light of that and believing it and trusting in it and walking with him in it will transform mm-hmm. us and make us more like him day by day. Mm-hmm. And that won't come to fruition and fully completed until we're with Christ. Yeah. Right. Till right. he comes back. That is such a beautiful description of sanctification, just becoming who we were made to be by God's grace. Um, Ruth, is there a time or a season of your life that you can look back on when you first began to desire to see sanctification take place in your life? You know, I think I think I really was saved when I was in eighth grade, but I mm-hmm. think it was such a small understanding, a simple understanding, an eighth grader's mm-hmm. understanding of salvation. Mm-hmm. And I and I knew I wanted to be godly, but that idea of godliness was I just I just want to look the I want to be pleasing, but it wasn't until in college when I was really wrestling with Sermon on the Mount, wrestling Mm, with Matthew 5, wrestling with the Pharisees, wrestling with, oh my goodness, can I actually please God with Mm. jumping higher, stepping up, Mm, being a little bit more holy that I realized I have nothing in me that makes me, like I can't read my Bible enough to be more godly or more Mm, more holy. I can't listen to enough Amy Grant songs Child, child, you know, child of the eighties, but I can't do enough good Christiany things, go to enough camps, mm-hmm, sign up mm-hmm. for enough clubs, whatever it is. I cannot serve in enough, you know, groups at church to actually be holy. So yeah. as I wrestled with Romans and Matthew, mm. I was reading the gospels. I was reading Paul's letters for the first time in depth. So the word of God really opened up the realization mm. for me that mm. it is God's will, right? It is God's yeah. will that we are to yeah. be sanctified, you know? And yes. so if it's God's will, First Thessalonians, you know, if, if it's mm-hmm. God's will that we are sanctified, then he does that work. It's not mm. mine yes. to do. And I have to trust him for it, but I also have to surrender to how he wants to accomplish that in me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What is our role in sanctification, would you say? I think in all things as it pertains to Christ, it's that we have to believe and surrender. We have to believe and be willing, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't surrender to something you don't know and believe Mm -hmm. in truth. It's not a feeling. You can't just say, I feel like I really just 
want that to be the truth. Well,、mm. that's not truth if you're just making、mm. it up in your head. So the word、mm. does tell us the way it actually works, you know. And so、mm-hmm. God has an actual plan, and He carried it out through His Son Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to know what that plan is. We have to know through His Word、mm. how He pursues us. And then when we、mm. when we hear His pursuit, we need to step off our throne and be like,、mm. "You're it. You're、mm. you're the hero. You're the、mm-hmm. you're on the throne. I'm going to step off now and surrender、yeah. <laughs> and let you do that work." And so、mm. I think it's、um, in the same way that when we come upon a day when we've Just see ugly sin in our lives, and we're like, "Gosh, I thought I was saved. I thought I'm like a I'm、mm. a daughter of the king. Like, what is going on?、Mm. Why would I have that attitude?" Well, guilt and shame is not what you turn to、mm. in your new identity in Christ, but you have、mm. to do the work of saying, "I'm reapplying the truth that there is、mm-hmm. now no condemnation.、Mm-hmm. I have to apply、right. the truth that my I am a new creation in Christ, and now." I have to take the forgiveness that's already mine and apply it back、mm. to myself. So yeah, your responsibility、yeah. there is to actually take what you know is true and live by it. So you have、mm-hmm. to take hold、that. of it. You have to actually say, "I will now receive it." It was、mm. just last night that I was—I、um, don't know. You can go back and read it at some point. But the, the Instagram <laughs> I posted yesterday was talking about、um, how I. In one day's time, recognize all my failures. Everything from、mm. not teaching my kids how to floss their teeth. Well, a few of them、mm. too,、um, and realizing that now they've got cavities. To oh my goodness,、mm. I missed this, and I now see that I haven't cleaned that.、Mm. And in all that, I just had a moment where I realized, okay, the gospel applies here. But the bottom line、mm-hmm. is, our job is not to assess the tide and the rising tide, the crashing waves. Just sitting there, describing it and looking at it, that's not our job. Our job is to receive the rescue. Our、mm. job is to say, He's provided. Now I got to rehearse it back to myself. Mm-hmm. And take hold of the rescue that's already mine. So if you sit、mm-hmm. there and just keep wallowing and go, why aren't she saving me? Well, he has. He has given you、yeah. mm-hmm. everything you need for life and godliness. Take a hold of that.、Mm-hmm. So it's not by your power, but he's given the power for you to respond to it.、Mm-hmm. Right. So that、good. is so beautiful, and it really is true that. God uses so much to sanctify us in our lives. Even even seeing those. Places where you said, "Man, I have these shortcomings. I have these、yes. places where I just don't measure up." Even that calls us back to His truth. Even、mm-hmm. that calls us back to Him. Exactly.、Um, and you know, in all the ways that He sanctifies us, I heard you say He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And so I know that you know when the Bible talks about that, it's also talking about God's Word. Gives、mm-hmm. us that, and so、mm-hmm. I would love for you to kind of give us a little bit of insight into what role God's word does play in our sanctification. Have you ever noticed that、um, sometimes you're sitting there, and as because we're women, we analyze things to death. You know, like we'll wake up <laughs>、yes. and we'll just <laughs> right. I mean, total <laughs> amen there. Like I, I think we just all have gifts of analyzation, and like、mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it is full blown worry, but we just can like break it apart and like. Think through it and keep trying to figure out the strategy.、Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do that with the things that I want to change about me. I want to like、mm-hmm. analyze、yeah. it to death and be like, "Well, if I just did、mm-hmm. this." And not that all those strategies、mm-hmm. are bad. And、mm-hmm. we think about all these strategies, but then you open、yeah. the Word of God, and what happens?、Mm-hmm. You're like, "Oh, well, that just opened me up, and now I don't even need to analyze、mm-hmm. myself because the Word of God exposes the truth, right?、Mm-hmm. Right. And so,、yeah. so many、mm-hmm. times I find that <laughs> the cure to Too much analysis of yourself and being too obsessed with trying to figure out the game plan for how to change the things you don't like about yourself is actually to open the Word of God and、mm-hmm. receive His diagnosis of what's going、yeah. on,、mm-hmm. and then let it do surgery on your heart, and then let、mm-hmm. it be the remedy. And so, I think the role of the Word is that we keep thinking that we have the answers, or we do a cursory reading of the Word. And we paraphrase it for ourselves and go. I think、mm. what he means is blah blah blah. When really we need to go to the word and just really、mm. let the difficult, even the passage we don't understand, like、mm-hmm. we need to sit and marinate in it a while、yeah. and、mm-hmm. study it and let it expose us. Because I mean, the word is living and active, and it t- tells us that it will open us up, right? And so,、mm-hmm. um, I, I for one, will certainly acknowledge that. I am not somebody, and I've said this before, and I, I try to say it as often as I can. I struggle 
to be faithful in the word of God. So I struggle mm. to be diligent. I struggle to be disciplined. Right. I am not somebody who naturally, and I don't think if we're honest, no, none of us sisters are naturally gifted <laughs> at sitting there for three hours with the wind blowing, iced yeah. tea, and just reveling in the word of God. That's not Can I just say what a relief it is to hear you say that? And I think yeah. that might be true for a lot of women listening. I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think there are times when we make up this image in our minds and when we think about somebody we respect or we love or somebody we think is ministering, we have this picture of that woman in our minds and she is like, like Snow White and the birds. Like there's, she's like sitting on the porch and there are birds singing and she's reading her Bible, getting so much out of it. And I'm just yeah. being honest and saying the truth is it is so hard sometimes because I am so distracted and I want to just mm. get something quick out of it. But the truth is God's word is faithful to teach us, mm-hmm. but we also have to be willing to not, um, treat it like a self-help book. We need to not mm-hmm. treat it like it's a quick fix. And so, um, yeah, what is the word of God? What role does the word of God play? It plays the very role that we sometimes reject. We don't want mm-hmm. to be exposed, but we need to allow right. the word to expose us, to draw things out in us and to do the hard work of saying, I'm going to sit with it and believe that this is living and active, and it Mm -hmm. will do more work in my life than all the strategy and planning and coaching Mm -hmm. that we sometimes turn to instead. Yeah. And, you know, I think about the title of your new book, Beholding and Becoming. And, you know, just this idea that as we behold God, that we become more like him. And, you know, you're talking about being exposed as we come to the pages of his word. And I think that one of the ways that that happens is because we do see God and we mm-hmm. see how short we fall. We see yes. how we don't measure up, but the it's like this beautiful double-edged sword that as we come and yes. see him, we are exposed, but we're also transformed. You will always meet him first and foremost through the word, but he also does meet us in our every day. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. underestimate that. And we think yes. worship or being transformed by him, especially, and I, and I, I wanted to write this book at this particular time because it does feel so much like we are championing the idea that transformation happens on a stage in front of a mm-hmm. microphone or when something dramatic or amazing happens in your life or when you finally discover the major calling or the, the nonprofit you're going to start, there's all these grand things that we mm-hmm. think is going to catapult our transformation. But the reality is our transformation happens because God wants us to meet him in mm-hmm. his pursuit of us in the everyday. And so yeah. yes, beholding him, beholding his greatness, the more we're in awe of him, the less we're so impressed with ourselves and the more mm-hmm. we are capable of worship. Mm -hmm. Worship isn't just turning on a praise song and raising our (laughs) hands and declaring something great about God. It's stopping and realigning ourselves with what is true and what is truly Mm. praiseworthy. So that is Mm. worship. Worship is acknowledging, ascribing Mm. to God what he is due Mm -hmm. and really believing that he is worthy and we're not. That means Mm. all the things that we're so caught up with in our everyday if we see him, all those tasks and all those circumstances fall into a new light. And that's mm-hmm. the goal for the new book. And so, yeah, I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that just reminds me of a hashtag that you started. I think you started it, right? Hashtag motherhood is sanctifying. I did. I did. I've used that so many yes. times, but she has. I can vouch for that. <laughs> but it's so true of how, how just. God uses motherhood not just as this like calling, but this invitation to be transformed into Christ likeness. But could you kind of explain your heart behind that hashtag? I think when I started this hashtag years ago, um, I think it was because and it's still a little trendy now, but I think at the time it was a little trendy for moms to complain mm-hmm. and to, because <laughs> you know what? I want to complain. I mean, there's a yeah. lot to complain about sometimes when, you know, the milk spills for the third time in mm-hmm. one morning or your toddler's screaming and no chapter from any book can help you in that particular second. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what am I doing? Or you get to the end of the day and you're like, what did I actually accomplish today? Mm-hmm. So there are so many things that you can ultimately 
just find companionship and kind of say, rally around and say, I had a hard day too. And mm-hmm. everybody, I'm going to go out and buy myself a new outfit at the mall or right. going to drink another drink or whatever <laughs> it is that people <laughs> joke about. Yeah. And right. you know what? Sometimes we tease and we laugh, but the reality is there's no life in those solutions. Mm-hmm. The reality is God uses all those little pieces, the Cheerios mm-hmm. that got crushed underneath your feet, the stepping over the Legos in the middle of the night, the the child that, in my case, um, when he was three, woke up pretty much every three hours, mm-hmm. every single night for an entire year, screaming, oh, wow. like mm-hmm. screaming. Oh. And it didn't matter how many remedies, nothing <laughs> worked. It didn't mm-hmm. matter how much tea or oils or whatever. And ultimately what I came to realize was, what if the Lord simply is calling my attention to him? Mm-hmm. What if there is no simple solution, quick fix, or I can't even see great success in my parenting today so mm-hmm. that I could see that he is faithful and that I need him so much? Because mm-hmm. girls, w- wouldn't you say the reality is if it wasn't so hard, we'd be pretty confident in our own ability mm-hmm. yeah. to, to mm-hmm. nail it all. So the reality is, when we stop and look at those things and rather than say the rather than having the hashtag be simply motherhood is hard or motherhood mm. is a dark season or whatever <laughs> it is that you might feel at times you might honestly feel at times motherhood is sanctifying reminds us that god mm. uses every little thing in your 24 hours today to draw you to himself, to make Mm -hmm. you into his likeness. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. you have a choice. You can either, you know, go to Facebook and numb yourself to death Mm. and not be sanctified in it. Or -hmm. you can say, Lord, um, I am so weak in this. Mm -hmm. I really just want to throw up my hands and give up. Mm -hmm. I'm not cut out for this. Motherhood is too hard. You've got the wrong girl because Mm. I am so impatient. I will just yell at my kids and ruin (laughs) my kids. Okay. You can say that. But what's sanctifying about that moment is if we remember that in Christ, our new identity means that there is hope in Jesus, Mm -hmm. then you can turn around and say, you know what? I am not defined by a heritage of angry, you know, Mm -hmm. parents or people who raised raised me. I'm I'm not defined by by my history. I'm a new creation in Christ. So therefore, in this moment, I can take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. In this yeah. moment, I can turn to Christ and, and and I can ask for help. In this moment, I can apologize to my child and say, mama needs Jesus just as much as you do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that changes everything, right? right and yeah. it sanctifies us. And my oldest is 17. And I can say, I can vouch that 17 years later, I do think I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but a hundred percent, I am more sanctified now. I am more aware of God's glory and how I can just kind of nestle closer into his likeness Mm -hmm. by surrendering day by day, moment by moment in my motherhood fails and weaknesses, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that a lot of us, we assume that God sanctifies us in the big things, but Mm -hmm. not the everyday things, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, God's going to use this really hard situation or the fact that my family has to uproot and move somewhere else, or he's going to use that to sanctify me. But we just get annoyed with the daily things. And the realization that when we say that God uses all things, works all things together for our good, that actually means all things and not just the tragedies and not just the big life changes. Oh my goodness, it's so freeing. And I will say, I'm not great at this. You know, God's still working on my heart in this. And I would say I'm relatively new along my journey of sanctification. Um, But seeing how my mind has actually begun to go there more quickly mm-hmm. when something happens that is really annoying or when I have a disagreement with my husband or when my kid is acting out or has gotten sick and I can't understand why, more often than I used to, my mind will go to God's using this for my good. Mm-hmm. God's using this yes. to make me look more like Christ. And it's amazing how, like you said, over the course of 17 years, over the course of our lives moving forward, that does happen. There is growth yeah. that takes place, even if we don't see it right in this moment. Well, I Absolutely. think that's the thing. Like sanctification can feel slow. And I know we have talked about that. And I think John Piper's the one that said, you know, 
Don't be an all or nothing person when it comes to sanctification, Mm. because if you do, you're just going to give up because it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that was so encouraging to me because I feel like I'm like a charger and all or nothing. I like black and white, but just to kind of press in. And I think motherhood is such an invitation for me to do that because it's not like we're going to throw up our hands and give up mothering our children, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just an invitation to kind of lean into God's grace and his strength. And and I think you're absolutely right that going to the word of God is the key because that is how I think you even started this hashtag that we can preach the gospel to our own hearts is -hmm. is we need to know the gospel and we need to be fluent in the gospel in order to um, preach it and just really, you know, behold the beauty of the gospel in our ordinary lives. So a really good way to do some self analysis or assessment is when you're kind of an all or nothing person. And when you feel like I started a Bible reading plan on the beginning of the year, and now I'm, you know, a hundred days, behind <laughs> or whatever, whatever it is that you're struggling with. Or I said, you know, I, I was going to keep the kids to a, to a routine where they mm-hmm. have to do their chores, but now they're not. And I failed. Whatever it is that you feel like you said you're going to do and you're not that way and now and you want to give up when you want to give up it kind of is that reminder that it was about you yeah. that you're oh, yeah. so so right so when we're yeah. all or nothing it helps you you take a step back and you go look at my motivation then you realize mm. you're really just trying to feel good about your yes. own progress oh my goodness. if you yes. trust the lord for the sanctification process then you're just really grateful that he reminds mm. you that you need him. Yeah. And so then you actually can like stand back and go, whatever it takes, Lord, day by day, mm. moment by moment. When we're grumpy that it's not happening fast enough, when we're grumpy that we don't see more fruit, then you kind of can trace that back and realize you've somehow made this about you, yeah. mm. about elevating yourself. That's convicting wow. for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm kind of like that, you know, I'll like get so upset at myself because I'm, I have these sin patterns that I just can't break out of. And right. I realize that I'm just looking for victory over the sin pattern right. for my own good. And I'm not grieving over my sin because my right. view of God is too small. Right. Mm, and so good. I think you're absolutely yep. right. I'm making it about myself. And mm. that's why I'm going to those techniques and quick fixes and, oh, we're just, we're just glory stealers, right? Yeah. We just always want the glory for ourselves. And I think God is so amazingly good at, he desires all the glory because mm-hmm. ultimately when we give him all the glory, we are the ones who receive the good. Yeah. But we are so quick to be like, if I just steal the glory, then I'll get the fast track to it. When mm-hmm. really he does that slow work of sanctification mm-hmm. so that there is no doubt in your mind. Mm. that you could not have gotten there on your own. Yes. And yeah. so I yeah. think that's just a good reminder for whoever's listening today and it feels like the process is so slow or that there's not a lot of progress. Well, I also wrote those words, you don't have to be blooming to be growing mm-hmm. because yeah. too many of us look over the fence at somebody else's garden and go, wait, you know what? I think we're doing the same things and we're involved in the same groups. Why is she mm-hmm. like, why does she have like 20 verses memorized and leading a Bible study and mm-hmm. Why is she writing a book? You know, whatever it is that we're mm-hmm. looking over, you know, we got to stop that yeah. because the reality is the Lord is fruitful and working in the, the garden of your life mm-hmm. and he's pruning and he's causing weeds to be yanked out and he's yeah. doing that work in the soil of your life. And um, there's nothing worse than just being so busy comparing yourself to somebody yeah. else's garden that you don't really realize mm-hmm. uh, how he's at work in yours. Absolutely. Yeah. Thinking about that hashtag, I, I always think back to Psalm 1 where it says, you know, be like the tree mm-hmm. that's planted by streams of water that yes. yields its fruit in its season. And so yes. that was encouraging to me that it's like you're not always going to be blooming, right? There are seasons yep. when you're not blooming and that might yep. be motherhood or yeah. or when your kids are really little or, or whatever it may right. be. But that doesn't mean that the that tree is not planted and it's not watered and it's not thriving and living, right? Mm -hmm. Ruth, I know that we can definitely see how our kids can be God's instrument in our lives to make us more like him. What about marriage? How Mm. do you see marriage as something that's sanctifying in our lives? Mm. I think marriage (laughs) has um, probably been one of the most um, 
convicting and hardest places in my life, mm-hmm. not because mm-hmm. Troy's called out my sin every single time, but it's revealed it because, mm-hmm. um, I think almost even more so than motherhood marriage, um, really reveals where your idols are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my idols are definitely going to be places where I want control. I want to feel like, um, I'm acknowledged or I know best. Mm-hmm. And, um, all that sinful pride comes out so much in marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think because um, you're to be one and there's no being one when you're trying to do things on your own, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no one when you're fighting for self, mm-hmm. you know, it's really interesting early on in our marriage. Um, it's a long story and I won't go into it all, but you know, we were, we were due on the mission field and it was our first year of marriage and we were not doing super well. Um, mm-hmm. We were fighting a lot, not on the same page, really kind of confused. And uh, we were at seminary and Troy, even in his twenties was wise enough to say, you know, when Paul says that, you know, Christ and the church is kind of like shown in the husband and the wife. He's like, so if we go on the mission field and people are supposed to see Christ in the church, that relationship in us, we're kind of not there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. And, and <laughs> the, because we were not um, serving one another, considering mm-hmm. one another more mm-hmm. important than ourselves. We were not living that out. And mm-hmm. I, you know, we're coming up on 21 years in another mm-hmm. two weeks here. And I literally look at this and think, this is a testimony of God's grace because yeah. in my sin, um, I have said things um, acted in ways in just subtle ways that have for sure been a, a, a picture of idolatry in my own life, you know, acting out mm-hmm. what is natural, but mm-hmm. because God is so faithful, he doesn't let us get away with that. And mm-hmm. so he uses <laughs> marriage to reveal that in us. And if you are in Christ, you won't go to bed okay with being sinful. You, if you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit does that mm-hmm. work in you so that you have to confess it, not so that you will be forgiven, but so that you will acknowledge his forgiveness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We are forgiven. The work of the cross has already made it so that we're not dying. We're not struck down the moment that we are rude and impatient with our spouses. We're not struck down there, mm-hmm. but our hearts are struck down. Our hearts mm-hmm. are like, whoa, that was awful. Mm-hmm. And we're unhappy in it. Mm-hmm. And so that revelation causes you to go, I got to stay close to Jesus. And Troy mm-hmm. and I, over the last 21 years, have noticed that absolutely the more he and I individually pursue the Lord, mm-hmm. let the word of God minister to us, um, mm-hmm. let ourselves be convicted by God's word and go to the Lord and have a personal, vibrant relationship with Christ, Mm -hmm. the closer we are to one another. And so Mm -hmm. the work of sanctification in marriage is not just so that we would have a better marriage. That's not the ultimate goal, right? right? Mm -hmm. The ultimate goal of sanctification in marriage is not so that we can say 50 years and going strong, we're amazing, (laughs) or we wear matching clothes now and we go on vacation, we still hold hands. That might be cute for Instagram, but that is not the final goal. The Mm -hmm. goal is not happiness in your marriage which right. people can take the wrong way. God absolutely delights to have our joy full mm-hmm. in him. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we're supposed to be miserable in, mar- in our right. marriage, but the ultimate goal is not so that you're sanctified and you'll have a happy marriage. The ultimate goal is that your marriage will serve the purpose of honoring him, mm-hmm. bringing glory to Christ and serving as a testimony mm-hmm. of the hope of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is to ultimately let um, the hard things of marriage expose the truth in you and to together turn your yourselves back mm. to him and the gospel. Um, a good book that I, I, you all probably know, When Sinners Say I Do. Have you ever mm. heard, read that one? I have not read it, um, no. When Sinners Say I Do is a great book. Um, Dave Harvey, I believe, and um, mm. very gospel-centered and, mm. and just a really good reminder for all of us. Right. Yeah. My pastor this Sunday said, you were not made for marriage. You were made mm-hmm. for more. And yeah. pointed to that same idea that yeah. our our highest calling is not to be married and have a happy mm-hmm. marriage, right? Mm-hmm. But that even in yep. our marriages that we point each other back to Christ and that we mm-hmm. point the world back to him. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I think about these seasons, these seasons where motherhood's hard or all of marriage, which has harder seasons, but let's be honest, it's always difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it can be kind of exhausting 
Um, it can mm-hmm. be hard, especially when we're trying to work out of our own strength to keep going. Mm-hmm. So what is it that motivates us or empowers us or enables us to be able to continue growing in godliness mm-hmm. when these mm-hmm. seasons are just hard? I think we got to dispel the lie that anybody has it really easy, that mm-hmm. love and mm-hmm. marriage and motherhood come so easy to some right. and that I wasn't cut out for it. Because you know what? I'll just be honest. There was a, I still remember a season of my life where I actually said the words, maybe I'm just not the type of person who should be a wife. Mm-hmm. And I say in my profile, I'm an unlikely mom because mm-hmm. I want to just acknowledge the fact that so many times we're called to things that we feel so unlikely for, yeah. right? We're yeah. like, I am an unlikely person when it comes to being faithful to my husband and submissive in a godly way and kind and mm-hmm. and considering him more important than myself and he do the same for me. Like who's going to be mm. naturally gifted at that? Yeah. And so right. what <laughs> propels us to persevere? I would say, um, this isn't meant to be a simplistic answer, but I would just say paradigm-wise, the number one way I know how to persevere and not give up and continue on in godliness is to ultimately keep myself in a posture of humility mm-hmm. because without humility, you won't desire that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. so that assessment of where you're, what's your posture is your posture. One where you're like standing up and like fighting all the time mm-hmm. is the one where you're like defending yourself. And how do we stay in a posture of humility ultimately comes back to beholding the right things. Mm-hmm. I, I can guarantee you that if your posture is that you're constantly holding your phone and looking mm-hmm. at your phone, you're probably not cultivating mm-hmm. a posture of humility because mm-hmm. what your phone does for you is it condemns, it shames, mm-hmm. or it elevates. It can only mm-hmm. make you feel really good about yourself or really bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> saying that that's, I mean, I think there's a lot of so much good that can be done through technology. Right. Yeah. But if we're but. honest, a steady diet of beholding what your phone brings to you, beholding, right? It's the word of being in awe of, standing mm-hmm. in gaze of, like being mm-hmm. subject to. Mm-hmm. If you're beholding what's on your phone all day long, you're probably not cultivating a posture of humility. Right. If you are constantly beholding fashion magazines, for example, mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. beholding the windows at anthropology, <laughs> I'm not, again, we're using the word beholding. We're not using enjoying, enjoy anthro, enjoy fashion magazine. But if you're beholding, if you're putting yourself before, constantly gazing at, admiring, thinking about all the time, those things, you're Mm -hmm. probably not cultivating Mm -hmm. a posture of humility. But what are the ways we can cultivate a posture of humility? That's to behold Christ Mm -hmm. and how awesome he is. Behold God's creation, behold what God is doing in the life of another believer. Mm, like behold mm, yeah. things that are worthy of praise. Be subject to music that elevates your heart of worship. Mm. Be subject to worthy and beautiful things that bring honor and glory to him. Mm-hmm. And so when you put yourself in front of and gaze at and constantly let your heart be moved that's beholding, right? That's being mm. moved by things that are worthy of praise. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, whatever is lovely mm. and whatever is good and worthy of praise, mm. think about those things. Right. And so when we do that, then we decrease and he increases. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. what keeps us persevering. Absolutely. I think some a lot of us can know that, but we tell ourselves that we can behold multiple things mm-hmm. at once. So what kind of encouragement would you give to someone who's really in that tension of, okay, I know this in my mind that I want to behold Christ, but I also, you know, I'm really drawn to social media or whatever it may be. You know, I think we all would really love for some book, you know, not even Tony Rinke's 12 (laughs) Ways Your Phone Is Changing You is going to give you a prescription for exactly what to do, right? There's Mm -hmm. no, um, you can use the tools of screen time. Um, you can use all sorts of tools. And I think boundaries and tools certainly help because quite frankly, you can't think your way to running a 5k. You actually have to like get up right. and like <laughs> start walking and start jogging. Mm. And you have to do something about that thing yeah. that you want to achieve in your life. You have to do it. So that's just the truth. But paradigm does matter. Mm. Your thinking does matter. So I'm not downplaying the action of 
putting down your phone, setting a boundary and doing. You have to do that. Right. But the paradigm is ultimately that the more satisfied you in you are in a good thing, the less you have a taste for something else. Right. So the reality is you can stuff yourself on pizza and then somebody could take you to the grandest sit down, glorious five-star dinner, and you really won't have room for that, yeah. right? Yeah. Because there's just no room. And so I think the goal as believers is what are you being filled up by? Mm-hmm. Because the paradigm is the more satisfied you are in Christ, the less you'll have a taste for mm-hmm. something else. So yeah. you can mm-hmm. say all day long, I'm not going to watch that show anymore. But until you have cultivated taste for what's better than yeah. that one show that is really mm-hmm. not life-giving, you're probably going to keep on wanting that. And so start with a paradigm and fill it in with practical steps like turning off your phone or setting boundaries or unfollowing certain Mm -hmm. feeds or shows or Mm -hmm. um, news feeds that don't give life and aren't pointing you to the truth. So it has to be a combination of both. I I think about like when you really have a taste for junk food, for example, and it's... It's really hard to stop eating as much sugar, for example. But as you do it over time, Mm -hmm. you begin to not like it as much and you begin to realize it doesn't make you feel great. But then on the flip side, I also think that, you know, I was reading about trying to introduce solids to my daughter when she was six months old. And I remember reading that people have to sometimes taste food up to 12 or 13 times Mm -hmm. before they begin to like it. And I think that that is true of us too, that we might open our Bibles and say, well, I'm kind of bored. But the more Mm -hmm. that we come back to it, the more that we develop a taste for it, the more that we look for God and his glory and creation, and we point ourselves back to him, the more that we become hungry for it. Yeah. And then maybe something to, I love that. And, and you're absolutely right. And maybe something to throw in here that 10 years ago, we wouldn't have to have to say, but now on this podcast, I think it's important to say is you don't need to be alone in your journey either. When you mm-hmm. are trying to run a marathon, you run with somebody else who will cheer yeah. you on. When you absolutely. are trying to eat healthy, you're not hanging out with a bunch of people who smoke cigarettes mm-hmm. and drink all the time and eat Cheetos every day. Right. Like that, you're not, that's, those are not going to be your steady diet of friends when you're trying right. to, you know, go keto or whatever, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're choosing to surround yourself with people who have captured the same vision and yeah. who are going to cheer you on, mm-hmm. not from the couch, but from the, from the, the, in the trenches with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. I have to say that now because we live in a time where we're not living in community and mm-hmm. we're just, happy to get online and think that we have community just because we're following a few people. That's not community and that's not living locally in the body of Christ. And so, um, whereas generations before would have raised their kids together Mm -hmm. or, um, gotten together with Bible studies a lot more often, we are now in a generation where so many women feel lonely and isolated and, those things that we're talking about, cultivating a taste for God's word, cultivating a taste for godliness, mm-hmm. cultivating a taste for the things of God and not the things of the world. Um, you cannot do that. Now, if God's called you to Timbuktu and you don't have um, a church in inner Mongolia, mm-hmm. he will supply and provide for you and praise God for the internet. Right. But as much as he's provided for you, seek to do that where you're mm-hmm. cultivating that taste with others who are cheering you on and doing that with you. Right. Love that encouragement. You know, you're talking about cultivating this taste for God. And I'm curious to see how you and your husband, Troy, do this in your own home, how you kind of cultivate this home that's centered on the gospel and centered on the truth and centered on the beauty of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lest anyone think that, you know, we sing praise songs all day long and, <laughs> and fold our laundry and quote verses. We're, we're certainly not that way. We have to fight for it just like mm-hmm. anyone else. Mm-hmm. And certainly there are times when somebody could pop in in the middle of the day and overhear a conversation and might be like, what? Are they believers? <laughs> you know, not because, you know, not because we're using foul language, but just our attitudes, right? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. attitude. So just to dispel any um, mis conceptions there. Um, we have to fight for it just like anyone else. But I always start with the big picture and the paradigm mm-hmm. before I get to the nitty gritty. But ultimately, um, 
I think we have to not separate the sacred and the secular. We mm-hmm. have to not think that, hey, we're teaching about chores now. And, oh, now we're talking about the news. These don't have to do with the gospel. Right. These have to do with life strategies mm-hmm. or the world and current events. Mm-hmm. Or now we're doing homework. That's a school and that's secular. But now we're going to church. Those That's mm-hmm. separating sacred and secular. So the number mm-hmm. one thing in our home is we believe that the gospel permeates everything, right? And even for our children who have not yet professed or truly believe or shown any signs that they actually understand the gospel, we keep speaking it because there Mm -hmm. will be no Sunday school class that will be more effective to share the gospel Mm -hmm. with them than them seeing their parents wrestle with it in our Mm -hmm. everyday lives. So the number one goal in our home is whether it's between me and Troy or with our teenagers or with our preschooler, or when somebody comes over for dinner, or when we miss a bill and now we're frustrated that, you know, we're, <laughs> we're in debt over this one situation, whatever the, the, the frustrating or the hard or whatever thing that's happening in our lives right now, the gospel applies. Mm-hmm. And so my number one goal is to show my children that it's not going to be because I just say, because Jesus saves, it's all fine. No, it's not all fine, right? I mean, this is not a video podcast, but you, you see my sarcasm there. Like, it is not all fine just because Jesus saves. We have to apply it. We have to say, okay, yeah. what is the truth about the gospel? And how does that play into my, mm-hmm. um, my circumstance right now? Yeah. And when we say that out loud with our kids, not just think it, but mm-hmm. when we say it out loud while we're chopping vegetables, while we're dealing with a disappointment, while we're eating dinner, it kind of makes that part of normal life mm-hmm. and not something yeah. you do when you get in your Sunday best and go to church. Right. Mm-hmm. And what a blessing for kids to grow up thinking that's normal and hearing that on a daily basis and not living with this idea that it's all separated, that it has to be broken, you know, not right. not having to go back and fix that misconception that, well, church is for God and the rest is for me, um, but to be right. able to have that cultivated right. from a young age. Yeah. And to see that their parents who are imperfect, who have to apologize, who mm-hmm. sometimes get angry and then come back and say, well, that was inappropriate. Whatever it is that they see, because your family is your first community group. Yeah, I right? mean, if a community group yeah. is like live real and confess sin and pray <laughs> for one another, that's happening in your home mm-hmm. with all the little people running around sinning, right? This mm-hmm. is this is a good community group. <laughs> and so what better place for for our kids to see the gospel lived Mm -hmm. out, wrestled with, tested, and Mm -hmm. held onto tightly than with the very people that they see imperfectly living it out. So don't parents, don't be, don't be people who try to hold it together and act like you don't sin Mm -hmm. that don't protect them from seeing Jesus in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you and Troy at least for me personally, you guys have taught me through Instagram to keep that big picture in mind and to see our kids and where we want to be, you know, 17 years from now and not forget that um, we have to be fluent in the gospel ourselves if we want our Mm -hmm. children to be. I think so many people want to teach their kids the Bible, but they don't even know the Bible themselves. So I I know one thing that you always say is like your kids always see Troy in the word and, and how even that is creating a gospel culture in your home is just you guys are walking the walk and inviting your kids Mm. to kind of witness it. So thank you for being um, an example for for us and our family. Mm. Thank you for uh, joining us today. And you know, one way that we like to kind of close off our conversation with all of our guests is to ask kind of three fun um, questions. So the question that I wanted to ask you is, what is a recent favorite thing of yours? So shallow things go, right? Yeah, anything goes. (laughs) All right. Well, mine's a little shallow, but I will say my new favorite thing is rose water spray for your face. Mm, You've seen that, right? I've seen it. I haven't tried it. So you can buy the fancy stuff at Anthro, but Trader Joe's has it too. And you feel like it's such a like extra, like, you know, but I got to just tell you in this season of my life, sometimes you just need a reset. Yeah. And... (laughs) I, I never thought that spraying your face with something <laughs> rose watery and pretty can like go, wake you up. I mean, honestly, mm. here's here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, I think we sleep through our day sometimes because mm. we're just trying to numb ourselves through mm. hard things. And you're like, 
I'll just hustle, push, push mm. hard. But mm. spiritually, you know, you have to stay awake. The spiritually, you yeah. know, in your mind that God's called you to stay awake. And sometimes it's really fun to just have a beautiful and fresh and pretty way to say, remind, remind yourself <laughs> <Yes>. to reset. <laughs> well, in, in some ways, it's my like shallow, um, tangible way to do what I always tell myself, like, it's never too late to reset and preach the truth to yourself right now. I love that. Little tangible reminders. Yes. So the next question is, what is currently on your nightstand? Well, I'm sitting in my room so I can see it even right now. But on my nightstand is actually um, Florette Farms, but cut flower garden. And um, it is a feast for the eyes. And one of the things I say often when people ask me, like, how do you stay inspired? Or um, I say a lot, and this would um, make sense also for y'all's industry too, but whatever industry you're in, whatever thing that you produce a lot, you create, Mm -hmm. whether you're creating Bible studies or you're creating art or you're creating Mm -hmm. products, sometimes it is so necessary just to get outside of your medium Mm -hmm. and your immediate industry. So for me, being inspired means I'll go look at somebody else's art, not mm-hmm. artwork. Not, I don't, I mean, it is more stifling for me to go and like surf the internet at other watercolorists, right. other scripture <laughs> painters. Um, don't compare and don't go mm-hmm. look at other mm-hmm. art artists. For me, it's to go for a long walk and study God's creation. It's mm-hmm. to go think about what it is to create a garden mm-hmm. because in that you actually learn more about how God's creation works, what are the details of a flower that blow you away? Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, actually, even if I don't start an amazing garden, even if I don't end up creating a cut flower garden, like this book is teaching you to, but just being able to be in awe Mm -hmm. by looking at something, and this can happen by going to an opera or Mm -hmm. um, attending an amazing you know, ballet recital, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you're going to and you're exposing yourself to, being impressed with God's creativity in another mm-hmm. way will actually inspire you in your own. Mm, I love that. That's so true. I'm like kind of the opposite coming from our industry of writing Bible studies mm-hmm. and stuff. I've recently mm-hmm. dabbled in watercolors because I'm homeschooling ah, my kids. Yes. And you're absolutely right. It has opened my eyes in new ways to be in awe yes. of God. And so yes. when I look at butterflies with my kids, I'm just like, mm-hmm. wow, like how amazing absolutely. is our Lord? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think this would fit very much in the same direction that we've been talking about here. But um, one of the reasons why I use that word beholding in my new book is that wherever your gaze is, wherever you're turned to, that's the trajectory you're going to be on. And so, you know, we talked about looking at your phone or whatever, but one of the goals that I have, why this is on my nightstand is I want to be like kind of mesmerized by beautiful things that God's created, not mm. man, you know, like yeah. not man-made. And, and so, um, so yeah, that's the trajectory that my heart wants to be on mm. is to be more and more in awe of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's one resource, and this could be a book, a person, or an experience that has most stirred your affection for God's word? So ironically, um, I, and I, this is a little bit obscure of a resource, but um, we've been reading uh, biographies by Reformation Heritage books with the mm. boys after mm-hmm. dinner. They're stories that tell the life of these reformers. It's just interesting how if you are reading it in story form as a family, um, everybody gets to kind of respond to it differently and mm-hmm. think through it together. And it may be that for Troy and I, we go running to the Word and say, Lord, help me cultivate a greater depth in mm-hmm. my faith and help me stop being so like, I don't know, obsessed about shallow things that have nothing to do with you. And let me fight the good fight here, you know? Mm-hmm. But then for the little one, it might just be that he has a real hero mm-hmm. in his life. Right, that he yeah. might be, he might see a character, the character of somebody that he doesn't have access to through a movie or whatever yeah. that is modern. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's, that's just one resource that's been really neat for us. Oh, I love that. Well, Ruth, I have been personally encouraged and challenged Um, just even hearing the way that you speak about what God's doing in your life and what he's doing with the people around you. Um, I got chills several times and just really have been stirred to seek after God more and to set my eyes on him and to to behold him more. So we just want to thank you so much um, for joining us today. It has been a true delight to have you on. 
Thank you, ladies. You guys have been an encouragement to me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, for all of our listeners, um, we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. I have no doubt that you've been encouraged as well. And you can find Ruth on social media at Ruth Jo Simons. And we'll put the spelling of that in our show notes. Um, And you can find her work on um, at Grace Laced on Instagram as well. And make sure to check out her new book, Beholding and Becoming. And I also have her book, Grace Laced, that I got for Christmas. And it has been wonderful and so beautiful and helpful, too. So um, we'll put all of that in our show notes. And we can't wait to talk with you all again next week.